Hello, thank you for listening to Chinese Radio 101. <laughs> Pantera, Primal Plunkley Sledge, coming at you now. <laughs> In your face. We're oh, taking shit. over this town. <laughs> <laughs> this is Episode of Metal Nerdery. Welcome back. The 90s? Kind of 90s. Talking about 90s stuff. I think a lot of people kind of forget. Everybody thinks of the 90s, and the first thing they think is, oh man, that was the beginning of grunge, which I guess there's some truth to that, but the reality is, is the only metal that really was impacted, I think, in the 90s was probably hair metal. I agree. Grunge was definitely the death knell for, for hair metal, but for the most part, other, other bands pressed on. I mean, the first part of the 90s was still metal reigned, but... After that, they took a little bit of a second fiddle to grunge. But you know what? For the most part, they still dominated. So what we got here, Mr. Hodges, Mr. Red. We're going to do Reservoir Dog style, so nobody knows our names. So, Mr. Red, what are we looking at? I'm sorry. I don't know. We got a list here of some 90s metal albums, bands. Talk about a few of them. First off, Guar. Probably the only album that I ever really listen to to be honest with you scum dogs of the universe that was yeah. one of the funnest when i first heard it that was one of the funnest records i've ever heard because <laughs> it was it, it was so well most people most people who know us remember brett yeah uh, back in the day he's the one that first turned me on to this and i listened to it and i was like holy shit because it was like the music was pretty solid but the lyrics were hysterical and i didn't even realize that the outfits were actually part of the band thing so i was like dude what's up with those guys man like maggots, <laughs> maggots. <laughs> I saw him. <laughs> I saw him live once. Oh, did you at, at the was, masquerade? I was just thinking I never got to see him. I don't remember any. I must have been. <laughs> I don't remember any. Of so you saying you had a good time? Apparently. The LSD wears off once it kicks in. <laughs> I, know. I know they had some stuff before that, and they've had a lot of stuff afterwards. I just. Band I, band I just didn't keep up with. Remember Black yeah, and Huge. But that album, though, is epic. Like, Black and Huge. Yeah. And Sex Executioner. Excuse me. What year was this? I think it was 1990 or 91. 90. Yeah, 90. Yeah. Yeah. Master Records. Not familiar. Oh, yeah. And their whole big no, thing was, uh, let's see, the Scumdog Overlords from Antarctica made their first big impact with the release of Scumdogs of the Universe. That's yeah. right. There was something about the whole weird Antarctica thing. They just went with that, and that was like part of the, you know. Yeah, man, we're gore from Antarctica. Why not, I guess. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, moving on, a band I'm a lot more familiar with, White Zombie. Yes. Nice. First That's saw them. Uh, I'd never even heard them and saw them open for Pantera. Yeah, me yeah. too. That was the first show. That was at the International Ballroom, I think, and they opened, and I was like, wow. Because they were completely, I mean, first of all, they had a chick bass player, which that was sort of like kind of uncharted territory, nothing against women. Yeah. But, but it was, you know, but their whole show was just different. It was like taking metal, but then, it, you know, that was kind of the beginning of them putting all that horror movie soundtrack stuff in it and adding to it. But it definitely had a cool vibe to it. For yeah, sure. that was a good one for sure. Yeah, I just, I just remember watching them thinking these guys are going to be huge. I mean, and they could have been, but Rob Zombie went solo. <laughs> I listened to some of their uh, stuff previous to like Cesarcito. It was uh, it was, it was different. It was more like a noise, noise rock metal, like industrial it, it style, was, or not really industrial, just just noisier. Not not very metal ish, I guess. This was a little more focused, I guess. Kind of like they uh, actually knew what they were going for. Yeah. The other stuff was just kind of all over the place. I don't know. That that's a very visual album to me for sure. Ah, the Melvins. The Melvins are one of those really strange bands. I don't know if you guys have heard them very much, but a little bit. But the Melvins are definitely interesting. If you've got uh, lots of disposable time and/or drugs, that's a great band to listen to. Only real story about the Melvins is I, I went to see them because a band I wanted to see was opening for them. Oh, was that the Down Show? No, that was the Obsessed. Really, the Obsessed oh. opened for the Melvins. Interesting. And uh, so the Melvins come on and they like. Played a bunch of racket for like twenty minutes, twenty five <laughs> minutes. I mean, just made made noise. And a they bunch do of, that to see if people will leave. Well, a bunch <laughs> of people started filing out, and so after a while, they're like, "All right, now that all the pussies have left, <laughs> wow, we'll get on with the show." They did open for Down a few years ago. Actually. Oh, did they? Yeah, that was kind of cool. 
Because mm. I think Dallin's like been, you know. Phil's been a big old Melvin's fan from back in the day in Louisiana. Yeah, but not very familiar. <laughs> yeah, they're interesting. Incubus. Incubus yeah. is kind of weird because I remember when we were going to go see him, uh, that one show, and the singer. We did see him. Or no, what was that? I think System of a Down was supposed to play. They System of a Down was supposed to open, and What's-His-Name got sick. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't play. This is at the old Cotton Club. Mm. Yeah. So the album we're talking about here is the Make Yourself album, which came after Science. And that Science. Was, was, that was the tour we saw. Which was Yeah, excellent. Science was incredible. Yeah. Make Yourself was a good record, but it wasn't. Science just kind of had that magic quality to it. It was well, after the Different. show, after the show, we all went over there and instantly bought a CD. I mean, it's we were like, oh, I'm going home with this. <laughs> oh yeah, and they put on a hell of a show too. Yeah. Helmet, meantime, yeah, that's a that's a classic for sure. I always still remember that fun, fun, fun experience of playing. I think we played meantime or we played uh, unsung, but with uh, Hot Carlson years ago at the last great watering hole. Yeah, it was meantime. I played the bass. Yeah, the bass. Yes. Make you a basserman. You know what's funny about that album is the the basserman. <laughs> Pro basserman. That album though, it just had like this weird production. Like it was recorded in the basement. It was kind of muted and because Helmet's got some really intricate shit, but it, the production on that was just one of those kind of classic. It was like it sort of sounded like a mess, but at the same time, it's like it kind of gave it what it needed, you know? It's like right. it's almost like it had to be produced that way because if it wasn't, because when Betty came out after that, totally different sound. Oh, yeah. It was brighter, it was more open, and it was like you could hear more shit that, you know, Paige Hamilton was doing, those crazy, weird open chords, you know? Those, th- those first three for me or a fucking killer. I never really heard that for the EP what was it uh strapping in or strap on or something. Oh, strap yeah. on. Hey, I know. Hey, it. hey. <laughs> I'm in a band called Helmet. This is our first album called Strap On. Or Strap It On. Yeah. Godsmack. Godsmack. I, uh, that was a pretty good album. 97. Wow. I never really kept up with them after the first album, but No, but that was a good that mm. was definitely a solid first album because it nothing they're really good yeah nothing really sounded like godsmack they're pretty rich. And i think sully played all the drums on it too well you know who played drums for him later on right mm. shannon larkin i was gonna say that from that was, uh, uh rat child america slash souls of zero yeah. yeah he played mm. drums for him just talking about that yeah I, I read something not too long ago saying somebody from slayer was saying that he wasn't worried about the 90s when godsmack came out and they started you know yeah, they started kicking ass. You know that he wasn't worried about metal, meaning that they were bringing it back. Kind right, of, or, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, I that, can see that. That it wasn't going away because people actually liked Godsmack. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, they were solid too, I and mean, they were just totally different out of the gate because yeah. they still had that kind of hard rock edge to it, but it was right. enough of a metal feel where it was just kind of in your face and just super tight as well. Yeah, definitely that. That good production also. It's Gross. I always just thought that's cool that a lead singer actually knew how to play the drums well enough to do it on an album or really to do anything other than just be a lead singer deftones deftones i, I like their first album deftones i have a weird thing about the. i really like the deftones the, the first two definitely had a certain vibe to it but they're kind of like some of the shit they do is amazing and they're really like those first two albums were solid but some of the stuff they've done lately it's really cool, but it's like it's hit or miss. So it's like you might get an album with 12 tracks and five of them might be totally solid. And then the rest of it's kind of like sort of. But it's one of those where you almost kind of have to listen to it as like a complete work to get it. I know that sounds weird, but I mean, some some albums are just like that. There might be like three songs out of 12 that like, oh, this is the only three I like, man. That's why I bought the album. But then you listen to it as a complete work and it's sort of like, all right, now I get the. The rest of it, most people probably don't do that with records, but we're nerds. That's the way we work. Yeah, they should. But Around well, the Fur is really, really cool. Well, they were signed to uh, Madonna's label, so, you know. I guess that explains Maverick. the horror on the cover. <laughs> the whoa. Who happens to look like she's wearing a Godsmack logo down by her belly button. It's a flower. <laughs> then you have death. Did you hear that one, Sound of Perseverance? Yeah, that was a good one. Because that kind of after they moved into that kind of proggy realm yeah a little bit they have a they do painkiller at the end of it the priest song yeah really yeah it sounds pretty good too kind of wasn't expecting it right (laughs) were it not for copyright laws it'd be awesome to pull it up and listen to it but thank you federal government we can't do that anyway moving on 
Uh, Green Day? No. Let's, yeah, not really. They're kind of rocking, and I like some of their shit, but they're not Sick. Really I've listened to a little bit, but they're uh, Never heard not of a whole lot. They're like a tech metal. They're strange. They were, they were kind of way ahead of their time, I think. Well, they kind of, apparently, they supposedly got lumped into the progressive bucket, but their music is, I think you're right, they're kind of a way ahead of their time, because their music has like a spacey, a lot of weird, like, synthesizers and shit, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a different kind of, you, you kind of got to listen to it for what it is. Right. I don't know if I'd put that necessarily in metal per se, but I mean it's as an album it's it's got its place, I guess. I know that sounds strange, but worth checking out. Soundgarden. Eh. I don't know if I'd no. call it metal per se. I don't know. I mean some of it. Down on the upside, it's not Super Unknown was more metal than that, if we're gonna be honest. That's that's not really it kinda goes into grudge music for me. Sorry. It's still good. Oh, it's a killer album for sure, but I don't you know. Excuse me, uh, a a message to the journalists out there. When you're writing articles about metal, please be sure that the artists that you're actually including in the article are actually metal. Like a sound garden, down on the upside, here on Grudge Radio 105 WGRG. That's not really metal. Okay, leaving my tangent off now to go on to other things. Thank you. This section brought to you by Millie Petrosa. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt, for that that lovely introduction. And now back to you guys. All right, Millie. All right, Millie. Sorry, right, sorry. Get, sorry. Back. Get, get back to it. I'm Sit sorry. Back. Get back on the couch. Okay. I'm going to go make Why? pasta. You guys want anything? <laughs> okay, carry on. Carry on. Back to you, Matt. Uh, I don't know. I kind of lost Soundgarden after a bad motor finger. That was a kid. Now, I would say that was a metal album. Did you not? That, I, liked the, uh, I liked everything they did. And then after that, it's sort of, I mean, not that it was bad, but I guess I just like the earlier stuff better. But don't you think, though, because Bad Motorfinger came out in, what, 91? It was early 90s. It was pre-Nirvana, pre-all this, you know, fucking teen spirit stuff. But that album, to me, even more so than, like, Super Unknown, which came after Bad Motorfinger, I think Bad Motorfinger was a borderline. It was metal in its own way, but. I mean, Room a Thousand Years Wide, Jesus Christ Pose, Rusty Cage. I mean, Cash covered Rusty Cage. I was going to say, Cash did that. That was good. And I'm sorry, Johnny Cash, I know he's a country guy, but let's be honest. That dude's metal at his heart. I know he's even a country guy. He's the man in black. Can't deny it. I argue that. Cannot deny Uh, it. Okay, well, I I don't think you can argue that that's metal or not. Cannibal Corpse? Yes. I don't think I've heard that one. When I've, uh, Tomb of the Mutilated, I think I've I got in a like gallery of suicide. I think after uh, was a corpse grinder joined. I don't know if this is a Chris Barnes version or if this is what does it say? I come blood. Yeah, it's the love ballad. Yeah, it's got we Barnes. Should start. Hammer <laughs> smash face. Excuse me, is Greg here? Thank you. Thank you. I used to. I guess I got the bleeding. I think that was like '94, maybe. Yeah, I think so. There's no. Uh, Nick and I used to ride home from work, and we put Cannibal Corpse on to relax. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Fucked, fucked with a knife would come on and we'd be like ah oh, it was like Calgon you know? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about Corpse Grinder take me it away it was always Slayer with me <laughs> Yeah, always Slayer with me just just get the... extremely loud and just it's like a weight comes off of you, you know? I know and most people don't understand that no. about I guess this kind of music you know it's I, I, it's off on a tangent but I read a thing one time that said uh People that listen to metal are like mentally healthier overall because I could see that because we kind of let everything out. Whereas a lot of people just listen to happy music all the time. I guess right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that was kind and of the whole thing where Black Sabbath came from. Is they were sick of all the hippie flower people bullshit, and they were like, "No, we're talking about the darker stuff." It's the same same principle. It yeah. kind of went yeah. that way. Emperor uh, Dillinger. There you go. Ah, Dillinger escape plan. <laughs> calculating infinity. I will say this. I got to say this because when you first played that for me, Adam, it blew my mind. Bill, I don't know if you've heard it, but no, these guys fall into what was it, math metal? Is that the yeah, name? I think they called it math metal. Math metal. Came shit. out in '99. <laughs> that was kind of at the pinnacle where things started to shift. But dude, their stuff is insane. And if you go see them live, it looks like they're going to basically have a seizure and take you out in the process as they're having a seizure. Like when they start playing, it's just. Like, think of the most thrashy band. Like, think of Slayer on stage at a live show, just the way they thrash about playing back in the day. Watching Dillinger Escape Plan is like that, but it's like they're literally going to try and 
almost kill each other with their instruments and their bodies while they're it, it's an amazing thing to watch it's actually very impressive well plus the music itself when you listen to it i don't know how they all know what to do when i mean coming you know for people that have been in bands you know we've all, we've all been in bands but these guys like it's like one guy figured out how to play and he just taught the rest of them or something he's like you got to play like this because right. i mean it's it's freaking blows your mind this is i gotta read this mind. real quick here here's the review on this list and by the way to give props where props is due this is uh loudwire loudwire top top 90 hard rock uh, metal albums so here's the review there will never be another album like the dillinger escape plans debut calculating infinity it's understandably hard to stomach as it's eternally or eternally heavily atonal fires at a ridiculous pace and remains completely unpredictable. Some full albums don't cram as many notes into it as Dillinger do in the first two seconds of sugar-coated sour. While 43% burnt, it's the greatest use of extreme dissonance in hardcore history. It's an it, it's a killer album. No, it's, it's not easy to listen to. It's crazy. I mean, you really got to want to listen to it. Really? When he yeah. first turned me on to it, dude, he was just like, dude, I've here you go. <laughs> that was it. It was like, there was no preface. It was like, I don't know what to tell you. You got to listen to this. And I heard it and I was like, holy shit. It was what like, it's it one of those things where you either, you just freak out because it's awesome or you're like, I don't, it just doesn't work for you. Right. You know what I mean? There's not, there's really no middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. Love it or hate it probably. <laughs> yeah. I got blank stares from quite a few people. <laughs> 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 Wait, what was that? Hold up, back up. Immortal, Immortal. black metal band from yeah, uh, Norwegia, wherever Norwegia is. Black metal's not on my. I mean, you know, listen to some of it every once in a while, but I don't know enough to. And as always, the good sign of a, of a great black metal band is how impossible their logo is to read. In this case, I would have no <laughs> idea who the fuck Immortal actually is. Guns and Roses, eh? Metal? Eh. That album? No. Yeah, illusion? I was already no, no. I was already way off the GNR path at this point. Oh yeah, this too. came out. I was like, eh. but I mean, yeah. even in general, though, would you really say to me, Guns N' Roses is almost like the next wave ACDC kind of? Yeah, it's more heavier rock. Yeah, kind of that yeah. bridge yeah, still. Yeah, but, I agree. But there were some riffs on that Usual Illusion. This is just one, but they had two that had like the potential to be really metal, and then they go off on this goofy Rolling Stone thing, and it just lost me. I was like, ah, it's not. Not metal. Move on. <laughs> then you had November Lame. <laughs> there, there's Wait, another one. Dark Throne. Transylvanian Hunger. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Let's look at the scroll up. I want to see the review of this because I'm sure it's going to be hysterical. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, see, there it is. Another lo-fi production. And the irony is, is that all these fucking black metal bands have like white face paint makeup with dark circles around the eyes. They just look like Dead raccoons is all they look like. I mean, it's just every one of them look the same with an impossible to read logo. All right. Alice in Chains. Uh, yeah, they they kind of got lumped in with metal, but I don't know that I ever really considered them metal. They had the edge. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a, they had a heavier edge than a lot of the other bands from Seattle. Well, they were kind of grungy, guess, I guess. I don't know. Do you think they got lumped into that just because they were from Seattle? Probably. Probably. I don't. I don't think they really fit grunge either. I mean, they were kind of their own. Yeah. Well, like when Dirt came out in '92, that there were components of that that album that were very much, I think, in the metal. Like them bones. I mean, that's a fucking metal tune, man. If if that was done by like Sacred Reich, that'd be a thrash tune for sure. But Allison Chains never really had that. You're right; they never really fit into the metal bucket or the grunge bucket. Well, I mean, they were what they were on that Clash at the Titans tour. They opened it, I think. Yeah, which was. It was just kind of odd. Hmm. Although, to play know. devil's advocate, that kind of makes a statement if, if the Big Four, because Clash of Titans was what, Megadeth? Wasn't that kind of almost the Big Four? Yeah, I think it was almost the Big Four. Too. So to bring them out on that tour is kind of a, it's sort of risky, but I almost wonder if it's like their way of saying, no, you guys need, you metal guys need to listen to this, guys and girls. Do you think, or do you think that the labels are just like, no, nah, fuck it, man, grunge is on the way, put these guys out there. Convert all these uh, metalheads into grunge music. I don't know. Anyway, three legged dog on the album cover. Right. So metal. A very metal stare. Be more metal if you put it to sleep. <laughs> Looks like it's upset at you for taking dog's the like, picture. Dog's like, what? Screw you. Dog's like, fuck you. I've got three paws. I can still do stuff. <laughs> come, on, come on. 
Uh, roots. There we go. Roots. Sepultura. Did that come after? That was way after Beneath the Room. Yeah, that was oh, after yeah. uh, Chaos AD, right? Right. Which to me, I mean, I, I know it's. I know I've said this before, and I still need to go back and listen to Beneath the Remains just on general principle. Absolutely. Yes, you do. Because Absolutely. in order to be qualified to be on this podcast, I should at least listen to Beneath the Remains in its entirety. As a matter of fact, we might ask you to leave. Uh, no, no, but Chaos ID, to me, was kind of the beginning of the Sepulchury Sepultura journey. And then Roots, I guess, kind of evolved from that. Because I don't think... I heard some of Roots, I think, at your place, but... Yeah, we used to listen to that out. We wore that one out. Plus the one before Chaos AD. Uh, that was that was Beneath the Remains, right? Yeah. There was one between. It had dead embryonic cells on it. And I'm oh. John blank. No. Oh, is it Arise? There Arise. You there you it. go. Okay. Yeah. Because that was a... I saw them on that tour. It was uh, Sepultura, Sacred Reich, Sick of It All, and uh, Napalm Death. Was that the one with the power problems where Sacred Rite came back out and played like a blistering three-song set? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they got screwed. They lost power. And then uh, their set time pretty much got eaten up. They played like three songs. Uh, uh, dude, I remember when you told me. But they were freaking awesome. When you told me about that show, because Adam has the potential to tell great stories, especially about shows, because he was telling me about it. He's like, they lost power. And then they came on. And he said they played like three songs. He said, but it was like they put more power and energy into those three songs than some bands put into a whole set. And he said, man, it was fucking unbelievable. It was just like just straight, just just powering through it. I was like, man, that would have been fucking awesome to watch. It was good. They're coming back in May, I think. I do want to see it. I'm still kind of wondering about that. Did you hear that thing they released? I've heard bits and pieces. Don't do it, Donnie. I think they did it for like some one of those seven inch split kind of things, but and I'm hoping it was kind of because it came out I think on April first, and I'm hoping it was sort of a joke because the production was really not good. No, nah, that's it, a joke because I've heard snippets of the new album. And it's, you have? Oh yeah, it's good. Oh, it's tasty. I want to hear that. There you go, Bill. Ministry. Ministry. Yeah. Nah, I'm out with Ministry. Ninety-two. <laughs> that's a good one for sure. I know they got their so places. It the other day. But do you really feel like they're metal, or is it kind of more like an aggro-y kind of sounding metal with the industrial I, thing? Yeah, I would say it's metal. I think they had a yeah. They were definitely had the uh, industrial type elements, but I would say yeah. it was. What else would metal. it be if it wouldn't? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I always kind of figured industrial was kind of its own entity. Is it, is it freedom rock? <laughs> Turn it up, man! No, man, that's damn Yankees. Uh, I consider it more metal because I mean they, yeah. There were actual instruments involved, so uh, yeah, I you know, I, I guess to me, I mean, I just I never got the whole ministry thing, but that's just me. Rage Against the Machine, Battle of Los Angeles. I had did that have uh, Bulls on Parade? No, that was I think the one before that. Or that was the one about Evilocity Empire. Evilocity. <laughs> I don't think I'm no, familiar no. with that particular one. Rage. Uh, you know, they had some decent stuff. But. Audio Slave with a different singer, not metal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know Slave is good. Yeah, but definitely not a metal band. Not metal. What was it? I don't know. I don't really think of Audio Slave is metal, though. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. There's a metal band, Pantera, the Great Southern Fucking Crank a, Kill. Man. Fucking oh, a. Band Fucking Terror. <laughs> I remember when I first heard this. Because you remember the opener oh, for Driven? Man. The opener to Driven, you had that just. Yeah! Or not. Old. Um, was it strength beyond strength? And yeah. then, of course, I just did the opener for Great Southern Drink Kill. <laughs> because all the drugs ain't in my system yet. But that was a killer album. Oh, man. From, I loved it. From I know. start to finish. Yeah, a lot of people, I remember when that one came out, a lot of people were kind of, well, I say a lot, but people, some people I knew were, they didn't, they were, I don't think they knew what to make of it when it came out. Yeah. And it, I was just, I was immediately like, Hell yeah. I I thought (laughs) it was super intense, but it it had a weird kind of disconnected vibe to it in spots. I don't know. And solid, it was solid front to back, but there were times it had like a. I read something later that I think that was when Phil was big on his whole heroin thing. And so he recorded the vocals separate from the band doing their stuff. So like they would record their shit, I guess, in Texas, and then he'd do his stuff back at the, you know, at his place in Louisiana. Nod for Ratu's Lair. Yeah. It's right next to Cotlod Boulevard, by the way. <laughs> That's a killer fucking album, though. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah was what sick. year was this again? 96. 90, uh, 
Yeah, 96. 96. I think uh, I thought – Suicide uh, Note was badass too. I one thought, and two. Well, you said before that you thought Suicide Note Part 1 sounded like Scott Watson. But I think uh, I think really that some of my favorite playing was done on that album. Oh, I think man. Dime was just like – he was on it at that point. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Not that he was ever a slouch, but – Absolutely. I mean that that album. So some of those leads and oh, the way man. he would build stuff up, and uh. you know what's interesting, and I, I kind of think this about Don too, but he had made some comment one time talking about Ace Freely from Kiss. That's not his legal name, by the way. <laughs> his name is still Ace Freely. It's only Gene Simmons who's had his name changed. But he was saying that Ace Freely kind of like told a story with his solos, like they were kind of like a complete thought instead of just being you know noodly noodly noodly. And so he kind of went for that same approach when he did a lot of his solos. And if you listen to Dime's solos, they kind of have that sort of like its own story that sort of, you know, follow the bouncing ball kind of thing. So, Well, that's that was always one of my favorite things about Dime was he didn't have to play every solo two million miles an hour. He could lay back, you know. He had feel was, for sure. Yeah, he had feel. It's a lot of guys couldn't do that. They were like, I got to play fast. I got to play complex. And he took... Yeah, like what you're saying, more of that old rock and roll type approach where, you know, play something memorable. Right. Well, he made it his thing. It's like he took all the stuff like before that because he was always a real field player. I mean, he could do the shred and do all the crazy notes, but you can't listen to one dime solo and tell me there's not just ass loads of feel in what he's playing. Yeah, he was, he he definitely didn't have Vinci, Vinci. Vinny Vincentitis. Vinny Vincentitis. And just as a side note for anybody listening to this, when you get done, and please listen all the way through to the end of the podcast because there's going to be fun stuff coming. So when you get a chance, go Jesus. out there and go out there and check out some some dime. Even his riffs. Oh yes, yeah. like ridiculous. Like nobody plays like he him. was his own thing. I mean, and that goes back to the nobody thing we were talking does. about before that he couldn't be in a band with another guitar player. No. I don't think like so. him, Eddie Van Halen. I mean, there's some guitar players you cannot have an accompanying player because they're just too big on their own. Dime totally had that. It's just not a regular riff that you hear in a regular song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's well, just, I mean, a, a lot of it too is uh, him and Vinny. Yeah. You know, because Vinny really didn't play your standard metal drum beats a lot of times. I mean, sometimes he went straight, but uh, I mean, he followed Dime's riffs so. They were lockstep. Right. I mean, they, they kind of had the same mind, you know. They right. knew what was going on. And it, thought, Vinny would play, like, some off-kilter drum patterns, you know, and it would it just fit the riff. But the know. cool thing is, is they kind of took, because Metallica sort of did that. They had a real strong alliance with the rhythm guitar and the drums, and it had that real super percussive attack. Right. Metall- or Pantera just took that, like, a light year ahead and was like, all right. Because they made it, like, where it was almost like a concussion attack. The well, they, they had that because it wasn't just like straight thrash or anything. They kind of had a little bit of that Texas kind of swagger, a little ZZ Top sort of. That swing. You know what I mean? They had a little bit of play in it. Right. So it wasn't just like you know, that's chop, what, chop, 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 chop. But that's chop, what chop, kept it loose. Yeah. It gave it that that Right, it had that loose that feeling. That's what yeah. I was looking for, yeah. But what I was going to say is everybody should go check out their performance, the, the couple of videos that are on the home video when they played in Moscow. Like domination uh, and primal, yes, primal yes. concrete sledge. Concrete, concrete. What? You're listening. <laughs> Hello, thank you for listening to Chinese Radio 101. Pantera, primal concrete sledge, coming at you now. In your face. We're taking oh, over this town. <laughs> primal <laughs> concrete sledge. Wouldn't it be sledge? Primal oh, concrete sledge. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> we fried rice radio. But yeah, that, that video, Domination, that's like one of my favorite metal uh, moments it, of all time. It gives time. me chills to watch oh, yeah. it because it's, it's awesome. just like they're Freaking just, awesome. they're playing in front of an ocean of people, like hundreds of thousands of people. And just the, just watching them play it, like when Dime's like just, you know, doing that. And then like when he hits those crazy screaming, like high notes, like the stuff he does that right. he was doing when it was like he was doing the Mariah Carey of lead guitar. Hitting those notes that nobody could hit, and to see like hunt a sea of people, ocean of people, like reacting to that, it's just like, oh That's my god, way too much. But just when you thought that Pantera couldn't get any more in your fucking face, then Trinkill, Trinkill comes out. Yeah. Like, yep. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Driven was like a kick in the balls. It was like because Vulgar was it's like holy shit. They got Vulgar was art. Yeah. Vulgar display of our power was art. But then Driven was like really really intense. And then I'm like, all right, how much how much harder can they get? And then they did it every album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every, every freaking album they yeah. came out and yeah. took it up a notch or four. You know, so they were the band of the '90s. They were Metallica was the Pantera of the '80s. I guess that's the easiest way to say that. Uh, Kid Rock, no, no. sorry. There, yeah, we there go. you go. Bad Motor Finger. Yeah, we've already talked about that. Yeah, ninety-one. Carcass. 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 Yeah. Have you heard much of the old stuff? I, no, no. I really haven't. I kind of picked up at um, Hard Work. work. That yeah, was me it. too. And I think that was, from what I understand, a big departure. That was kind of when the whole melodic death metal thing started. But I've always heard. I thought that Hard Work was kind of the beginning of like carcass really is a band in terms of you know like that album that's like this is carcass that kind of thing like when you hear a band and it's like they put out a few albums and it's like yeah they don't really sound like them like slayer with rain and blood you know you had show of mercy and you had hell awaits and it's like yeah, yeah and then you hear rain and blood and it's like ah yeah that's slayer that's what i think of a carcass with hard work mm. hard work seems like that album but i'm not familiar with the, the older stuff corn god that was 91 mm-hmm Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. That was a good one. Mm, I think that came out in 95. I it think Loudwire made a mistake. It took me a while. 91 does seem a bit early. I believe it was 95. And I could it's tell you something that. about 94 there. But when I when I first I first heard Corn, I was like, what in the fuck is this? It was definitely different than what we were used to because yeah. it was the whole bass thing and the guitar. The guitars were really weird because they weren't like your typical it was metal what, guitars at all. What I thought was weird about it was, and what I really didn't like about it at first, was uh, it was loud and in your face for a few seconds and then it was soft and whatever while he's kind of, you know. But that's a whole like while thing. And then it was like, bam, in your face again, you know, for the chorus and then all this off. So it was like you but, couldn't really stay into it. But then the more I listened to it and the more I got the other albums, I mean, fuck, man. They were yeah. definitely doing their own thing. But like you're it's saying, just the sound, the yeah. sound of it is just so fucking killer. Well, and that album in particular has definitely got yeah. an edge. Like the drummer's really- badass. The guitarist is badass. The bass player is badass. The singer can fucking sing and scream and he's badass. I mean. But you know what the most impressive thing to, Korn, to me was about Corn when I first heard it? Like that last track. Was it Father or Dear Father or something like that? But it's like Jonathan Davis has this complete meltdown. I mean, and it sounds oh, yeah. like it's yeah, real, like that. it's coming from a real, and it's almost kind of unsettling. Like, what the fuck am I listening to? And it fades out, and the whole time you're hearing him, it's like he saw. It's like he literally lost his mind and have nervous nervous breakdown in the in the studio recording it. And then it's one of those that goes to silence, and it's like, oh, this is a forty five minute long track. There must be a hidden part at the end. And then there's this part about this dude that's talking about taking apart a car engine and like putting together it's like what the hell does this have to do with music <laughs> it's weird yeah. go back and listen if you got the cd listen to it because it's like there's like 10 minutes of just this dude talking about you know like a big block engine i gotta take it out back in here i'm like what? i don't know what he's talking about i don't know all i know is corn live oh, i was i was used to i was used to you know your pits circle pits like one little spot at the front where everybody's running around beating the crap out of each other you go see corn. It was the whole floor was moving. Pogo. I mean, it was just—it was insane. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah, it says here ninety-four. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, I think they typoed. I got into it. I think in ninety-five, so that's probably right. I'm not as familiar with the Faith No More. I love Faith No More. Uh, I never got into Faith No More yeah. for some reason. I don't, I don't know what. Well, I know we know all about. Uh, was it the real thing? Epic, all that stuff. But how was the later stuff? I mean, I've heard some of it, but was it more metal or more rock? You think? Or they're one of those bands. They they just sounded like Faith No More. I mean, they they bounced all over the place. Kind of transcended and, the label. Yeah, they they just whatever style they felt like. You know, they just kind of went with it. I think this was the last album with Jim Martin on guitar. Angel Dust. He was the one with the funny glasses and the big beard, yeah. but. Uh, the metal looking dude yeah funny story about faith no more went to see them and uh guy was with recognized one of his buddy's little brothers coming out leaving and we hadn't even got in yet and uh, he's like where are you going he's like oh man we just came to see uh limp biscuit we're heading out 
<laughs> we're like, Faith No More, you come see Limp Biscuit, and then you leave. Faith No More hasn't even come on. It's like, come on, dude, it's Faith No More. You, you must be it. heading out to kill yourself because yeah, you're right. missing the better yeah. band. Uh, All right, Sepultura. Right. Yeah, we talked about that. Rancid? Rancid. No, it's a punk band. Oh, Pen. There you yes. go. Yes, 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 yes. Still alive. They are. They're one of my favorite bands now. I think, but I mean, back then they were definitely more, not really deathy. They had the whole progressive. Their met their music was more like kind of progressive metal. Almost had like the influences and touches of like. I could even say like the rainbow stuff, kind of like that that minstrelly kind of vibe to it. kind of like how Iron Maiden is. It has that kind of minstrel edge to it, but it's like their music is big. And they used is to that have like them. without the PM, just the uh, not the PM. I don't know. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Opeth, I kind of thought it did work. Opeth is uh, it's gonna come back in, in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, Adam, stuff. what is a PM? Please tell the people. Preventative Sorry. maintenance. Oh. Yeah, okay, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, go listen to Opeth. Still Life is a great album. Offspring, nope. Nope, yeah, they are not yeah, metal. Yeah. Fuck off. ACDC, yeah. we give them credit where credit's due. I'm not familiar with the Razor's Edge, but they're as familiar. Yeah, I don't really know what What do you need to say about ACDC, except it's, it's ACDC, I mean, you know. <laughs> ACDC, they're always consistent. All right. And that's where they lost me. Empire, Queen's Rick. Yeah, I mean, I love that album for what it is, but it's... Uh, it's still got some metal qualities to it, but it's not really like a prog kind of thing, like say Operation Mindcrime. Never got into Queen's Rick. Yeah, I like. There uh, another like you were talking earlier today about once a band hits a. It's not really a popularity thing with me. It's just like style. Yeah, it's like they sit, they hit a certain level, and then I guess everybody gets to them. You know, they're like, oh, maybe you need to write like this to hit the next level or something. You know what I mean? So like Jet City Woman happened. I mean, no thanks. Yeah, I mean, some of those songs are really good, but it was kind of like relative to what came just before. Yeah. Because Warning from- and Rage for Order and Mind Crime, it's like, and then you go to that, it's kind of like Lightning and Puppets and Justice and the Black yeah, Album. I was just thinking that. Like, okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Another black metal band that we can't pronounce their logo. GNR, yeah, <laughs> never mind. Stone STP. Temple Pilots, eh. I like those guys. Yeah. I think they're awesome, but yeah. I don't know. Metal. Yeah. I don't know if it's metal, but it's... it's I mean, it's hard rock, I guess. Uh, here's Matt's least There's favorite band. There's my shit, Dream Matt's Theater. Matt's least favorite band in the yes. world. Yes, Metropolis Part 2 seems from memory. They are my favorite band forever and ever. Amen. I would say... I'd say they had a huge impact on the 90s. I mean, they were kind of doing their own thing, the whole prog metal thing, but they kind of brought Shred back into Vogue, I think. I think they definitely influenced the new generation of players. Yeah, because they've kind of brought back that element of like, you know, being an instrumentalist and being able to really shred and know your instrument. I mean, because that was mainly an 80s thing. And then when the yeah, 90s were, hit, it kind of died. They were like anti grunge. I mean, they were the, they were like the Nirvana antidote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I'll never forget the first time we saw them. It was at the masquerade. It was like one o'clock in the morning and, and they all looked, hard from the road like they hadn't gotten any sleep and they just look you know rough i mean they didn't look like they were ready to perform but they put on a killer show it was late as hell but rob zombie hellbelly deluxe yeah no thanks sorry there you go and this is adam's band that's right my here. shit right there yes. typo typo love it i remember this one bloody kisses remember the first time never even heard of them they were playing that benefit for wreckage. Oh, yeah, at the ballroom? At the ballroom. That was really cool, actually. And they were like the headliners. None of us had ever heard it. Didn't know who they were. Like, they got up there, and they're just like nothing we'd ever heard before. They were right. a little bit punk, a little bit metal, a little bit industrial, a little bit goth. A little bit hardcore, too. A little bit hardcore. That, that I mean, they just, vibe to it. But it was just, like, they'd play these, they'd play fast, and then they'd play like the slowest crap you'd ever heard in your life. And then they had keyboards on top of it, and it was just you a know. whole vibe with them. Yeah, I just, I know some of the people I was with were just, I, didn't, I don't know, something about it just clicked in my brain. I've been a I, didn't, I didn't get it the first time I heard them. But, but uh, in retrospect, I, I dig it. But I remember that that show because I remember watching it and I was like, what the hell? Because he Peter Steele comes out. First of all, he's like nine feet tall and he's huge. And he plays a bass. This He's got like a chain for a guitar strap. <laughs> And he's just this huge fucking dude. He drinks wine by the bottle. Like guys on stage drink. A, yeah, I'm a metal dude. I'm drinking a beer. 
fuck you. I'm drinking a whole bottle of wine on stage. <laughs> and then he uses it, he uses it as a slide. <laughs> yes. A wine bottle. Right. But I mean, yeah. and they would play, because like when they would play the slow stuff, and at that place, the venue, I remember the whole place kind of shook. And we're looking at each other like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it was like nothing. We'd never heard anything like that. We'd right. heard slow, doomy, trudgy, heavy stuff, but not like typo negative. But it's its own thing for sure. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And then they, you know, from that slow, deep and hard, I mean, they totally morphed into whatever, you know, I mean, they went through sort of your, more of your goth kind of thing. And then they, they then, they, hell, then they even brought they, some of their stuff even sounded like the Beatles a little bit. Hmm. Well, they, they had did like a Beatles cover, edge. didn't they? Didn't they uh, do a Beatles cover? I think, yes, they did. They did Day Tripper, I think. Yeah. And they yeah. also did a cover of Paranoid, which was actually really slow. But it's really cool if you go back and listen to it because they included like pieces of like killing yourself to live and different stuff, but slowed down typo style. Oh, yeah. You, you gotta, it's, it's fucking cool. You gotta hear it. Definitely sure. Typo negative covers are classic stuff. Like yeah. they take a uh, Hey Joe and they call it a Hey, hey Peter. Where are you going with that axe in your hand? You know, it's, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Pearl Jam, sorry. That's not metal. Nah. I can respect them for what they were, but absolutely not metal. Marilyn Manson. Uh, he's he's on the skirts, but I don't. I don't know. Never really did a whole lot for me. Uh, no. Yeah, Jane's uh, Addiction. No, I just never. I know people were into him. I just never could get into him. Tool. I wasn't as much of a fan of Undertow as the later stuff. <clears throat> I appreciated it for what it was, but I yeah. just wasn't as big into it. Yeah, their next one for me is what did it. Anima. Yeah, I'm one of those rare people. It's you don't like, like Tool. It's like. I like him for. <laughs> Try not to spit beer on the equipment, please. Thank you. <clears throat> I like him for about three songs. That's it. And then it's just like, no matter what album or what, it's just me. It just all, it sounds the same after a bit. That's It's just me, I guess. Some, some bands just have that. I mean, it's unfortunate because, I mean, there's... He's got such but a I'm, killer voice, man. But I mean, there's bands that I like that, what was that people are like, not so much. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. Tool's just sure. one of those bands that I potato, just, tomato. Yeah. What? I mean, some of their stuff sounds freaking awesome. You know, I'm not gonna say it doesn't. Right. The later stuff, though, to be like, fair, was way better. Way better. Kind of like the later Pantera stuff. Way better than you know. I am the night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't sit down and just like listen front to back to a Tool album, I'd be bored. Oh, I definitely can't. Yeah. Uh, no. I'm no. an anomaly. Ah, oh, yes. Driven. The band who yeah. dominated the 90s in metal, yeah. Pantera. Or uh, being driven. We talked about it, but it's yeah, still excellent. Corn, more corn. Soundgarden. Sound yeah. Foo Fighters, not no. really metal, but I do like them, but they're not metal. Social, social distortion? Not metal. I'm not saying I don't like them. But, uh, no, but come on. Social, okay, Megadeth's metal. Megadave. Countdown to Extinction. Which, which came out in 92, fun fact, which is also like, what do you mean you're doing different production? <laughs> well, you know, we saw what Metallica did with the Black Album, and we thought, okay, you know, they've been ripping us off for years. How about we rip off Metallica and put out an album that's produced like the Black Album? Which is basically what Countdown to Extinction was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Rest in Peace was almost like their justice. And then when they did this, it was all about, yeah, you know, we wanted to write more streamlined songs, more direct, and blah, blah. It's like, come on, man. Just well, I know. Uh, say it. I read at one point. I guess Marty Friedman was wanting more. I guess that was when Risk came out. Whenever Risk, that was ninety nine. Uh, Friedman was. Yeah, I guess he's like a big J pop guy. But oh, he he's was, huge in but Japan. He was, he was like wanting like a commercial, a pretty commercial edge to kind of emerge within Megadeth, and I think Dave tried to humor him a little bit. I don't think I, I don't even know if I ever heard Risk, but that's just a story I heard about it. It's uh, not bad and, uh, for what it is, but it's not. It, it's 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 kind of like Load, Load and Reload weren't really Metallica records. They were what they were, but Risk is kind of in that ballpark. It's like it it's got the Megadeth brand on it, but it's like eh, Smashing uh, Pumpkins, no. Fuck. Uh, I, well, I mean they've got tendencies, I guess, but. Uh, no. I just can't deal with them. I saw one interview one time with Billy. Yeah. I saw an interview with him once. He's like, he's a freaking cock. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just, uh, kind of like Elvis Costello. I, I, I saw an interview with Elvis Costello one time, and he basically 
said metal was just like a bunch of crap. So I don't even give him a fair shot. It's like his last name's not Presley. Who the fuck's listening to him? <laughs> Screw him. You know, I mean, he's married to Diana Krall. I don't know how he worked that out. Then there's System. They're another band that I just, for some whatever reason. Uh, yeah, I just, see, I, I dig System of a Down. And the re- here's the reason I actually bought that. I saw All right, it I don't care next. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, quit picking on him. He's trying to talk to you guys. Millie. Like, Millie. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Say what you're going to say. Couch. But the reason I liked that, I heard it at like Tower, and uh, I saw that Rick Rubin produced it, and I thought, okay, that's willing to take a risk because anything Rick Rubin puts his hands on for more often than not is good. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue that. And I was reading about it, and I thought, okay, but I listened to it, and it was killer. I mean, it was heavy, and it had all kinds of crazy shit going on. And I thought, there's nobody like these guys in metal. And sure enough, there's nobody like those guys in metal. And they put out like five killer albums. And then they basically said, you know what? We don't want to be part of the mainstream anymore. Uh, we're out. Have a nice day. Fuck you. See you later. And they left. They just disappeared. And at the at their peak, they put out two albums within like a year and a half, kind of like Metallica did with Load and Reload. And then after they put out, what was it? I think it was hypnotized and mesmerized, and then they were done. That was the end of System of a Down. Mm. Just weird, but that first one's definitely worth checking out. Well, it's, it's too bad Surge was sick that time we were supposed to see him at the teeny tiny cotton club, though. You know, time to put on a little makeup. <laughs> Hole, come on, <laughs> live Stop through it. this. That's what she told Kurt when she shot him with a shotgun. Uh, uh, okay, here we go. Systems of Time, Anthrax. I love that album. I also love that album. I think the thing I liked about it the most is that was the first album they put out where the production, their production's always been stellar, but that one had like a grittier kind of aggro thing. I agree. It was a little bit, it had less of the uh, cartoony sort of Anthrax. It was a little more serious. It was like a darker Anthrax. Like when I were keeping the family, I'm like, oh, that's different. Them. That was kind of like the whole South of Heaven thing. Like after Rain and Blood and as intense and fast as it was, and then suddenly they slowed it down. Like when Anthrax started doing the real trudgy. Right. Cause they've always had heavy breakdown shit, like in Indians and anything they've ever done. But like keeping in the family was just fucking A. I mean, it was just yeah. so fucking brutal. I don't know. Love that album for sure. Pretty much like Anthrax always. Even with the uh, even with the uh, John Bush, I thought the John Bush era was quite tasty. Oh personally. yeah, different flavor, but definitely tasty yeah, flavor. I thought he, I don't know, I liked it. I thought it was good stuff. That's the one with the uh, bulls. Bulls on parade. Anyway, Evil Empire, Dream Theater, Images and Words. Yes, classic, classic, classic. Right, funny story about that one. Another cast I was listening to, a couple guys. I think they were like in their twenties. And they were talking about Dream Theater, and they, they were like, yeah, when I f- heard their first album, and I was waiting to hear what they were going to say. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting to hear what album they dropped, and that was this one. <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. Posers. <laughs> they put out an album in 89, fuckers. I was there three years earlier. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, they missed Dominici. And as much as I hate to say it, I have to credit uh, one Mr. Uh, Damien. Yeah. Yeah, who uh, you know turned you on to Dream Theater, and then you subsequently turned me on to Dream Theater. Ozzy, no more tears. Just the fact that I turned you on is you turned me on, Adam. And Gross. for that, I love I'm you. Kind of disturbed, and that's very metal. Ozzy, not as metal Ozzie. as No More Tears. That, that to me, Ozzy was kind of slipping. I think at No More Tears. Would you call that a metal album? I mean, Ozzy's put out some metal shit, no doubt about it. I mean, the the first two Rhodes albums and even the Jake stuff was all solid, but. No More Tears to me doesn't really seem like a a metal metal album. Well, I heard that he didn't mm. like he didn't like the Ultimate Sin because he thought it was like too poppy. But then really? there's this. But then, so, but then Lemmy Mr. wrote Tinker Train. I mean, come on. Yeah. But Lemmy wrote No Can More I Tears. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Lemmy did. Which is crazy. I mean, Lemmy wrote a hit song, and it's like you know, it wasn't even Motorhead. Lemmy said he made more money off of that one song than he ever did with Motorhead, and like. 40, oh 50 years. Oh, seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. I he did. said that was the most money he ever made in his life was that, that one song. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. I did not know that. It's just what I heard. At all. So, anyway. If you heard it, I'm sure there's a degree of truth to it. Yeah. Ozzy. The it's Prince of Dots. looking haggard right there. Uh, the, the Fugazi. I don't know if I'd say it was metal. 
I like Fugazi, but uh, one thing you have to give Fugazi in terms of the, the spirit of metal, if, if we're gonna, because let, let's be honest, there's metal music, we all know that, but then there's like the spirit of metal, like we were talking about her, like you know, Johnny Cash. He's not a metal guy, but the dude is metal in terms of what he's gone through in his life. Fugazi being the whole do it yourself. I mean, they they basically did their own shit, right? Produce yeah. their own albums. Yep. Book their own shows, charge what's it, five bucks a show? Totally DIY. Saw them one time, and you got to appreciate that. Yeah, but but did you? Would you think they had like a metal vibe to them though, like an ed, like that edge? Yeah, they had the attitude for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Excuse uh, me. Absolutely not. As long as you say excuse me in Nirvana and Nirvana, not metal. Goodbye. But Pantera Cowboys from Hell is metal. Are <laughs> <laughs> well, you listening to Phil Ed Shelmo? On Cowboys from Hell, I wore that freaking tape out because yeah, that's when we still had tapes. Big time. <laughs> they came. They came to Atlanta like five times on that tour. Uh, they Literally. were here like every yeah. other month. I mean, yeah, we saw them every the time, time, all the time. And, and I remember, it, and you remember this before uh, Vulgar Display of Power dropped. They started playing. They, they did what Souls of Zero did. They played like the first half of Vulgar Display of Power on that on the Cowboys tour. Yeah, yeah. And we were listening to it like. Oh, oh my shit. god, dude! This is gonna be sick when it comes out. I, mean, well, I thought was. I always thought Pantera live. I thought they did it right because, like, you see some bands play, and it's like no matter how much you like them, it's some a lot of bands at some point you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, all right, ready to go. But Pantera always seemed like it's like somehow they knew when to cut it. That made it's like they left you one for more right. every time. But plus, they made their plus shows. they kicked ass. Absolutely kicked you ass. Know, I never saw a bad Pantera no, show no. ever. But their yeah. shows were more like a, like a, you know, not, not to be cheesy or quote Paul Stanley from Kiss. Not his real name, by the way. <laughs> but the fact that Pantera was like a fucking party, like a rock and roll right, party. Exactly. They were like the Van Halen of metal. Like, <laughs> yeah. They were party metal, man. That's, that, that's kind of a weird way to look at it. But yeah, totally party metal for sure. <laughs> yeah. Party you just wanted metal. to have a good time. Yeah, Even when Phil was singing, yeah, yeah, exactly. Even when Phil was singing about all his weird shit, I remember when I first heard Cowboys from Hell. It just was like the production was so in your face because oh, it was man. just like it was like a buzzsaw, like a razor. Like what the hell? Yeah, I just remember when it came out. Everybody at school was like, everybody was talking about Pantera. Yeah, you know? I mean like that was the like next a wave. Yeah, they just like we were talking about earlier. They just brought that groove to it. Mm. You know. They, Oh, every, every up until that point, everything was like you know how how fast can you go? You well, see I mean? to me, I, I think that's a perfect you know analogy going into the nineties. Cowboys from Hell to me is like the kill 'em all of the nineties. Yeah. I think that's a perfect analogy. Yeah, it, it yeah. defined a, an era kind. It defined that whole decade. I mean, because there's so many bands that we were talking about this before, like the bands that started to get even more kind of groovy and riffy toward like the end of the night. Like when Testament kind of got more into the heavier shit, you knew that Pantera had an impact on it. Right. I mean, they just, they touched everything in metal. Slip cannot. I like yeah. slip not for what they are. Yeah. That first album is pretty brutal. There's some crazy shit on there. And it's interestingly enough, I know uh, Carrie King from Slayer was not really big on a lot of the new metal stuff, but he actually said that he really endorsed what slip not was doing. Never got into them all lot, but yeah, me either. Yeah. Morbid Angel, Covenant, yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, fuck no. you, that's not metal. Under the Bridge, <laughs> come on, <laughs> we don't care. Wow. Hey, Anthony Kiedis, when are you going to be in Point Break Two? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Flea, how do you like acting? Suck my kiss, come on. <laughs> and that is what the fuck, Sublime. They're not metal. They're not even rock, no, are they? No, look, it says top hard rock metal album. I know, but I don't it's even not even hard, hard rock. rock. Oh, I agree, but. Maybe, uh, Smashing Pumpkins again. Yeah, okay, just Priest. We now we got Priest. Maybe it's just rock. Proper right there. That album. I remember the first time I listened to that and the freaking drum started on Painkiller. And that you blew just, me away. Yeah, man. you were just like, ha, 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 here we go. You knew but, you were in for a ride. But Painkiller, I mean, it just opens up just Full blast. Well, I mean, what's the, what's the most perfect way to introduce a new drummer to the band with that opening right there? Yeah. You know? And it's heavy And as then shit the freaking too. guitars kick in. I mean, it's like... Would you pretty, say that... Because, I mean, you know, tur- Turbo's the album everybody hates to love because, I don't know, synthesizers. And then Ram It Down was, eh, you know, Johnny Be Good. Really? Is it a cover of Johnny Be Good? Yeah, where were you? 
I guess I was asleep. That was my first metal He's show, by the way. Piss break. That was my first metal show. <laughs> yeah, it was like Celtic break. Frost. I got up and took a piss break. <laughs> Didn't care. <laughs> Ram it down, I got to pee. But would you say that Painkiller was kind of the beginning of... Cause Priest was always just priest, but I mean, ram it down or not ram it down. Painkiller had that that ferocity, that kind of they they didn't yeah, have that level just, of intensity in their shit before. I don't think. No, there were hints of it here and there, but but not like that. No, and especially after Turbo and then ram it down, and then they came out with that, which was like a total freaking one eighty. You know, that was like, you know, we're gonna smash your face. That's what was so, so killer about that show with the Omni with them. And was it them? Megadeth? Megadeth. Testament? Testament, I think, yeah. Because the fact that you had, you know, two big thrash bands opening up for Priest, because you you would think, okay, is that going to fit with Judas Priest? But then hearing that, you know, Painkiller album, it's like, yeah, that's definitely going to fit with Judas Yeah, that would have been, it would have been different. Because when I, that was my first metal show, was Priest Ram It Down. And Cinderella opened uh, Long Cold Winter. Cinderella. Which it was, wow. I mean, you know, Cinderella, I like Cinderella for what they were. But, but that's a weird but I mean, if, for Priest, though. But if, like, Megadeth and Testament had opened for them on that tour, it would have been a little, that would have been a little odd because right. it was totally different. Right. But the Painkiller stuff was definitely metal for sure. That that album, that's one of those great albums, I think, from the early 90s. For me. Uh, by the way, the solo for Painkiller was nominated, like, worst solo that year. What? Yeah, I know, right? By who? NME? <laughs> Fuckers. I don't know, but that's, yeah. And every time I listen to it, I'm like, it's fucking awesome, you know? I mean. It's a it's a fucking amazing solo. It's like, I'm like, how the hell does that suck? That's not, that's awesome. That's like know, but what you just did with your tongue there. Uh, See? Yeah. Fucking do guitar solos with me tongue. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> and fucking Slayer. Hell yeah, Seasons go. of the Abyss. That is a classic. The fun thing about that, I think, is that apparently, I think, Kerry Keegan said they, they started going to like a guitar teacher or something, because on that album, there was actually a lot of melody, and they were doing solos and stuff that were like way more melodic than like the crazy strangling their guitar in a meat grinder solos they were doing on like Rain and Blood and stuff. But the songwriting, even on Seasons of the Abyss, kind of has that more cohesive, because that's a solid record all the way through. Oh, yeah. Would you say that was a good follow up to South of Heaven? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, I think that was per- pretty much perfect. Right. It's, it seemed follow almost kind of like the marriage of like Rain and Blood and South of Heaven because it had enough fast elements on it where it kind of had that Rain and Blood part, but then it had enough heavy elements on it to kind of have that South of Heaven right. appeal. Definitely a good middle ground. Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam is again. No. Fuck you. It's not even hard rock. And then Rest we have peace. one of the uh, one of the more perfect albums of all time. Rest in peace. Otherwise, it was a thrash to peace. Thrash to peace. I mean, how many times did we all listen to that? I mean, well, you know. Bill listened to the uh, the Justice version that had no lyrics on it. So that's what he listened to. <laughs> it still cracks me up. Anger eighteen. What do you mean? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. This was the uh, this was the album where Dave tried to get Dimebag to play guitar. Oh yeah. Can you imagine what that would and, sound like? And, and Dime was like, well, if I come, Vinny comes, but David already hired Nick Menza, so he was like, I can't. I just can't hear that sentence without scoffing a little bit. But a hey, man, animal. if I come, my brother comes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, More rage again. Tool. Enema. Enema. That's a really good one. That is a great one. Think about that. To me, I think it's a good groove. But don't you think, though, because I'm sure you've listened to it front to back, right? In its entirety. To me, that's one of those albums that kind of has that. And there's not enough of it in metal, but the ones that have it are fucking amazing. They have that complete, like they put out a record. And we talked about this, like even like that new COC, where there might be even like interlude stuff mixed in. But somehow when you look at it as a complete work, it all fits together. And it's like it's a perfect, it's a perfect production because it has all those facets because Tool had a bunch of weird goofy stuff on that on Anima that kind of helped you segue into the next time. Right, yeah. yeah. And they had Bill Hicks clips on there so let's be honest that was awesome. Real. That was real fucking awesome. But I, yeah I dig that album for sure. Nope. Green Day. Green Day Dookie. Dookie. Gross. This is Millie Petroza. I just like to say, Green Day is not a fucking metal or hard rock band. They're like a wannabe punk band. We're gonna see them at the next uh, 
creator show. They're going to open for us down at the bar grill. <laughs> Sorry. Get back to it, you guys. Thank you. I'm Millie. No, that, was, that was the one time I, I agree with you there, Millie. So that was <laughs> the one time. <laughs> <laughs> now get back on the fucking couch. Sorry. And the Black Album. Black Album. You know, I think that's one of those albums that really polarizes uh, not even Metallica fans, but I'd say fans of metal because no matter what you think about Metallica, and you guys hear me out on this, I think you have to agree. No matter what you think about Metallica, you have to admit, even though the Black Album is not in the same vein as the first four, for what it is, it's definitely a metal classic because it's kind of almost got that same feel as like Back in Black, that kind of sort of complete, it's its own thing. And it's like, it's, you know what I mean? It just sort of, it, it fits, but it's, even though it's kind of a disappointment compared to how those first four albums went, not, you know, not shitting all over the Black Album, but, you know, it doesn't have that same level of technical proficiency and stuff. But it, as a statement, though, I think it's, I think it's definitely a complete album. 16 million copies. I mean, I, I liked it when it came out. It was just a total left turn. You yeah, know? yeah, mean, it was definitely a yeah. left turn, but it's aged well. I mean, you could still put that on today. That album's almost 30 years old. Stop it. And it's still, it still holds up, I think. It's better than load. Yeah, or reload or unload. I, just, I couldn't do those. Boy, <laughs> let it be known that Adam couldn't do the I couldn't, load. I couldn't, <laughs> get, I couldn't get my load on. I don't know. Everybody was talking about how they sold out when they did that, and I never really got on that bandwagon. I just didn't like it. It wasn't the same thing. But you're right. It doesn't mean they sold out. It just wasn't the same thing. It was like, you know, going like Coke, going to New Coke. It's like it's not the same thing. Mm, And see here, I don't know. Nine Inch Nails isn't metal either. Sorry, I don't think. uh, It's good. I know they get. That's not. It's not metal or correct. It's good for sure, but it's definitely not metal. Sometimes they. Like we were talking about ministry earlier. Ministry is just kind of more straight ahead, sort of heavy. Or Nine Inch Nails is, I like it, but it's more atmospheric. I mean, it's got its heavy moments. Sure. There's definitely and, uh, the metal energy, but as, as a metal or even a hard rock. I mean, I, I just kind of think of it as more industrial. Yeah. I will say I saw that tour and it was freaking awesome. I bet it was. I mean, his he had stuff going on. Production-wise, like visually, I'd never seen stuff like was that. Was it like a multimedia kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, he just he did all kinds of stuff. It was, the guy's talented for sure. It was it was a really good show, really really good show. Highly impressed. Yes. And number two, once again, the dominating force in '90s metal, the ever ever unbelievable Pantera with vulgar display of power. I mean, fucking hostile. I mean. That Pretty album, much says it right there. That album's yes. classic. That the first somebody told me this one time that the first I think six songs on Vulgar that it's literally like you hit play and it's just like it just bludgeons you all the way through, like all the way through to like rise. It's just like that's a solid, like a marathon sprint. It's good non first opener nonstop goodness. Oh yeah, I love that fucking album. Plus the uh, the guy on the cover always reminded me of Jeff T. <laughs> getting smashed in the face. Hello, this is Jeff Tate from Queensryche. I'm a douchebag, and I'm getting my ass kicked on the cover of Vulgar Display of Power. <laughs> it's not very nice. But it's... He is kind of a douchebag now. It, so, is, a, yeah. it is better than a cover of the uh, Anthrax album with the... Oh, the fistful of metal coming out of the mouth from the inside? Yeah, it looked like an anatomically incorrect hand. I mean, it was... Uh, well, it looked weird. like a shitty tattoo artist drew that, probably. So that's probably why it looks like that. All right. Number one. Oh, my God. Oh, my Are God. You fuck are you kidding me? Never mind by Nirvana. Go fuck yourself. That's wrong. That, that, no, I refuse. <laughs> Go back up to Pantera. Let's talk about that some more. How do you, how do you put, how do you put this is vulgar display of power is number two? All right. We, we, and then never mind is. I think I'm going to take yeah. it as a personal crusade to go after every like hard rock and metal publication online and say, you guys need to check your shit because this is not metal. It's hard rock. Apparently. Uh, no, no, I don't think uh, no, <laughs> I'd no. say it's hard rock. It's just, no. just different from the eighties hard rock. It's grudge music, you know? man. It's all it is. Yeah, I guess it is kind of hard rock. Grunge is, is the eighties hard rock. It's the same, same stuff. 
I don't yeah. want to. I don't yeah, want to accept it. Was, it was just it's just kind of labeled next, grunge. Was, right. Yeah, the next evolution. I refuse right. to accept it. I know that may be the case, but I'm not going <laughs> to accept it. I just don't. Fuck you, man. But you know what? I, I like Foo Fighters infinitely more than I like Nirvana. <laughs> Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Sorry, I'm glad he's dead because he's making a lot more money now. Did I say that? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Things went dark here on Metal Nerdery. <laughs> Who else do I wish Cut. was dead? <laughs> and we're done. Anyway, uh, that was that was our little overview of '90s hard rock and metal and some other crap. And just to remember, we all know that, as we saw on this list, that Pantera was clearly the band of the '90s. I no would doubt. say. I would say. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'd say they're the band that defined the nice. decade. They were the they, decade they, of carried, metal. they carried the torch for metal. I, I would say they were, you know, Phil always used to say they were like the next thing. They were the statement for heavy music in the 90s, but I would say they kind of took thrash and sort of maybe expanded it a little bit, like elevated that genre and kind of brought it into like the whole Pantera groove vibe thing. Right, yeah. Because it was still kind of thrash. It had that sensibility, but then they kind of moved it into yeah. that groove. Yeah. And it was just like, like, like the, art of, the art of shredding. Oh, uh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, this first... <laughs> I don't know. Every, everything Pantera ever put out, I thought, was just absolutely fucking brilliant. Stellarific. Even yeah. the glam metal part? <clears throat> yeah. Not the glam metal part. <laughs> Not the goddamn glam metal part. Ever. All right. Well, anyway, until the next episode. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Nerd out. This, this is, is Metal, 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 metal.